There are times in all of our lives that we may feel a little insignificant. As a matter of fact, there may be times in our life that we feel a whole lot insignificant. You say, well, I've never felt that way. Well, how about unappreciated? You know, you're there, you're committed, and but you seem to be unappreciated. You know, you work for someone that never gives a kind word, and you have a family member that you serve and do everything that you can, and there's never any appreciation that goes with it. And know in those times that you really get desperate. You see, life will wear you down if you let that happen. Let me say it again. Life will wear you down if you let that happen. You see, you, um, you have to get a handle as, we, as I, I say, trust God. God, what is it that you desire of my life? And we know that God's Word said, I want you to grow. I want you to mature. I promise to never leave you, to never forsake you. I'm going to be with you. Now, some of you have some stories, some stories that are quite interesting, stories that you would say, if I told you my stories, you'd say, wow, unbelievable. And some of those stories were created out of your own ignorance. Anybody out there want to say Amen. Some of them out of obedience or disobedience. Some of the stories came as a result of God's favor. And you say, hallelujah, I remain faithful and God gave me his favor. Many stories that you can tell of events in your life that you were not responsible for, but boy, God surely showed up. You see, sometimes we get to feeling like we're always swimming upstream upstream. Well, I have a person in the scripture. I'll share John 5, verse number 7. It's the invalid of the pool. Listen to what he said, sir. The invalid reply, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. He said, I've been out here laying by this pool for years and years, and I know it's supposed to be the first person that gets in when the stirring takes place. They're the ones that gets healed. But by the time I get anywhere close to the pool, there have been several that already get in there. Well, you lay back down on that mat and you think, what kind of hope do you have? I'm doing everything that I can. God, I want to get in there first, but it just never happens and we find a war that often rages in us because in today's culture and society today, if one thing won't get you going, another thing will. You with me? If one thing doesn't just get under your skin, another thing will. If one thing won't raise the hair on the back of your neck, then something else will. You just hang out and we find that war. What's the devil trying to do? What's the devil trying to do to those in the church that are professing Christians? He's endeavoring to get into our lives and create confusion and create sadness. And often, as Dr. Chris spoke on Sunday, discouragement there. Well, we don't never get, hopefully, we don't get as bad as Job in Job 3, 3. He said, may the day of my birth perish. And the night it was said, a boy was born. Job was pretty out of sorts with life when he said that. I wish I'd just never made it. You know, we know what Elijah said, just take my life, get me on there, and I don't want to be here anymore. I'm just fed up of being fed up. Someone said the other day, Pastor, if you could leave this uh, place where you're at, leave this country, where would you go to get away, get away from, just get away from all this? I said, nowhere, because the last time I checked, everywhere you go, the devil is there. 
You just learn to deal with him. He is no threat to the believer who believes that God's hand of anointing rests upon you and that God controls everything. Y'all are going to have to help me tonight a little bit. You see, all of us at some time or another, maybe online or maybe in this auditorium, we just keep facing these nagging situations that are there. Rejection. Well, I, I read this. I love this. It deals with perseverance, and it's in the diary of John Wesley. John Wesley, when John Wesley came on the scene, uh, John Wesley's preaching, well, he didn't put up with anything. He threw it out there, and if you liked it, then that's fine. If you didn't like it, he was always biblical, but he walked into an icebox or a freezer of spiritual darkness when God raised him up to begin to preach and do some great things. And in his diary, he said, Sunday a.m., May the 5th, preached at St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday p.m., May 5th, preached at St. John's. Deacons got together and said, get out and stay out. Sunday, May 12th, preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday a.m., May 19th, preached in somebody else's temple. Deacon called a special meeting and said, I could not return. Sunday p.m., May 19th, I decided to preach on the street and they kicked me off the street. Sunday a.m., May 26th, I decided to preach in the meadow. I was chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. June 2nd, in the a.m. on Sunday, I preached out at the edge of town. They kicked me off the highway. Sunday, June 2nd, in the p.m. afternoon, I preached in a pasture. And to my amazement, 10,000 people came out to hear me because I persevered. What I am suggesting to you, my friend, that, that whatever is happening in your life and in our society, in our culture right now, that is not the end. Somebody say amen. There is another hallelujah that's coming from Almighty God. I can tell you today that whatever challenge you might be faced in your, in your business, whatever no you've received, whatever lack there is, God is not slack on any of his promises. He's not slack on any of his resources. If we manage to say, by the grace of God, I'm going to trust in the Lord. Well, what's our text? It's the prayer of Hannah. Hannah was the mother of Samuel. You see, here is what she said. And I'll, I'll, I'll weave in so that we can get the picture. Some of you know the story. God is my praise. Would you say that with me? God is my praise. Not what I've obtained, not what I've accomplished, not the money, money I may or may not have, but God is my praise. Said then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord, and in the Lord my horn, my spirit, is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. You see, Hannah's prayer was one of great victory. Look what the Lord has done. And she's ready to go. She declares that her heart rejoices. And uh, she, uh, she thought, look, it can't get better than this. But that was not true just a few weeks before that particular time. Why? 
She went from desperation and difficulty and embarrassment and betrayal. Here's the story for Samuel 1. She was the wife of Elkanah. Of course, Elkanah had two wives. I don't mean this adversely, and please forgive me, but my friend, that's double trouble. No man in his right mind can manage and cooperate with any more than just one woman, amen, at a time. Anybody with me? So let me tell you, just the way God did it, he had two wives. Hannah could have no children. Why? There's something that took place because God looked in the future of Hannah. And that's what I want you to see, that, that when challenges seem to choke you, understand that God looks into your future and says, this challenge that you're facing is preparing you for the abundance of my favor down the road. And you will never experience the abundance of that favor unless you know how to manage the here and now. So the Lord shut up her womb. That was the worst thing in the world that could happen to a woman in that day. He, he God, shut the womb up. And Peninnah taunted her. First Samuel 1 Samuel 1.6, she was the other wife of Elkanah. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival, that's Peninnah, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Ha ha, I want you to know I'm the best of the two wives. I can birth children. You can't. There's something wrong with you. There is a defect in you. There is sin in your life. There is a curse on you. And we know that she rode that way. But here's what happened. Hannah responded and did not eat or sleep and stayed in a deep, deep spirit of despair. What's your life worth? How do you deal with that? God, what are we going to do now? I was on a phone call today with an organization that says this has to work. These are all of our options that we have. This now, this now has to work. It has to work. It's got to happen. You see, she truly did not understand why she had to face these circumstances. As far as we know, she was not guilty of any sin. And uh, her world was filled with rejection and despair. And she could not give a rational explanation. Well, I thought if you're a Christian, I thought if you're putting your best foot forward, that you shouldn't have to face insurmountable circumstances. I, I thought if you prayed and you went to church that you ought to be home free about challenges that should hit you. There's one little problem with that. God never promised us a rose garden. Amen. He promised that he would be with us and stay with us and guide us through every circumstance. And the goal of Almighty God is to see how we respond to circumstances that are difficult. 1 Samuel 1.10, in bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much, but it didn't end there. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord and prayed to the Lord that my friend 
brought blessing. After she prayed, she expunged the bitterness, the anxiety from her spirit. And she made a vow to God. She had nothing to lose at this point in time. We sing, I'll go where you want me to go. Dear Lord, I'll be what you want me to be. And God says, okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity to show off. I want to give you an opportunity to show me what that looks like. In 1 Samuel 1, verse number 11, she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. That's pretty good, God. I'm about, I want to give you something I don't have to give. But I'm saying, if you choose to give me favor, I will take that favor and I will give that favor in, the, in my son for service to you the rest of his life. That was the vow. And God answered her prayer. She gave up her son, Samuel, for the service of God. She stood true. And what happened was this. She felt like that God lifted the curse which was the big thing in her life. It was the curse that she felt that was there. And Panina told her every day, you are cursed. Community told her every day, you are cursed. You, you see the, the spirit of the enemy whispers in our ear, America, you don't have any hope. Whispers in the church's ear, you are irrelevant today. Whispers in the Christian family's ear, why do you keep going through the religious routines? It doesn't really matter. And he constantly, constantly, constantly aggravates us. You see, Samuel for the service, she felt that curse was gone. And what did she do to get God's favor? She made a vow of total commitment. God, I commit to you that no matter what happens out here in the circumstances, no matter if I get that job, no matter if that contract fails, no matter if I get sickness unto death, no matter if I lose a child, no matter, God, what happens, this is my vow to you. My vow to you is total commitment. She poured out her soul to God. She did not visit Dr. Phil. She did not go before Judge Judy. She did not take her case to Dr. Oz. She took her case to Dr. God, and she poured out. Listen, she poured out her soul. May I encourage you, pouring out your soul as a follower of Jesus Christ will be more than a five-minute prayer meeting. Pouring your soul out to God will be more than two hours in prayer. Pouring your soul out to God will be a motivating factor that says, every moment that I can, I'm pouring my soul out to Almighty God. And then she honored her commitment. I said, I would give me the son. In 1 Samuel 2 verse 1, this was Hannah's prayer. How I rejoice in the Lord. How he has blessed me. Now I have an answer for my enemies. For the Lord has solved my problem. Who solved the problem? The Lord solved my problem. How 
I rejoice. Now, the little picayune things that are aggravating that bother us. Are there some people in your life that the minute they get around you, it just irritates the living daylights out of you? Anybody have that kind of a person or that group of individuals just irritate you? They know what to say. They stick the knife in and twist it just right. Hello? They do. Twist it just right. God silences the wicked. So here we know in 2.9 of 1 Samuel, he will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It is not by strength, I love this, it is not by strength that one prevails. Use your leverage. I mean, you get that person with you, the two of you go and just really tell that individual what for. No, he says, hey, that the strength that's not by strength of man that one prevails. And that God will silence the enemy in darkness. You know what it's saying? That God is working in your behalf to bring victory in your life. And you won't even see when it happens until it happens. You just won't see it. But when you take matters into your own hand. And you try to resolve the problem with your strength. God said, let me just back away. Let me get away from it. How do you do that? Sharon and I, I've always said, you give people the benefit of the doubt. You've heard me say that a hundred times. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Just do that. Who are you redeeming? You're redeeming yourself. When you give a person the benefit of the doubt, you're saying, God, I'm not going to let them tag me, period. Here's another I've told you. Hey, somebody offends you, treat them like you've always treated them. Not with vengeance, but just treat them the same way. When you do that, here's what God is doing. God is working in the darkness where you don't see to bring a resolve and a resolution. And not only does God exalt you in due time, He gives us that which we need according to his sovereign will, and he judges our adversaries. In Hannah's prayer, the adversary was not God. It was the enemy working through Peninnah. Peninnah represented the epitome of satanic influence. The epitome of satanic influence. She represented that, and all of us happens to have some kind of influence that comes against us out of spiritual darkness. I look and say, well, I think, about, I think about the COVID. You can hear so many different opinions about COVID until, my friend, you form an opinion and then you're going to boast about that opinion. Let me just tell you something. Pray about it. Leave it up to God. God knows what he's doing. Do what you can and leave the rest up to God. God is well able to handle a pandemic. Somebody say amen. And here's what I know. God will never let. Never let a Christian or a Christian family go through trials like a pandemic, but if we behave and act properly, but God will give us a reward on the other side when we come through. Somebody say amen. 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 Amazing. All around us, the influence of spiritual darkness. Everywhere you go, it's there to weaken us. And to wear you down. Somebody asked me today, you ever get tired of all this? You ever get tired of dealing with people? Yeah, you get tired. You ever thought about just, just 
wearing down, retiring, or whatever the case. No, I don't. I'm having, listen, my friend, what kind of life do you think it would be if nothing's ever going on in your life? I'd, I'd go start crazy if there was not something to, some trouble to have to run into. How many know what I'm talking about? Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Yeah. Just sit there, my Lord, have mercy. I'm some guy, the most exciting game in town is serving God. And the closer you get to him, the greater the battles are going to be. 1 Timothy 6, 12, here's what he says. Fight the good fight of faith. That's get in there, muscle up. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were made, you made good your confession in the presence of many witnesses. You see, Panina was in Anna's face every single day. The scripture says what happened is Panina, but Hannah gives us insight into what happens to those who abuse us. Now, I'm, I'm an insurance company. How many know that sometimes dealing with insurance companies, companies about claims, sometimes can make your hair stand up? Hello? Sometimes having to deal with a bill at a medical institution will make the hair stand up. Sometimes you get faced with a lawsuit and you think, where in the world did this come from? Sometimes you get faced with those kind of circumstances that, you know, people, if you own a business or on Facebook, they're bad-mouthing your business. Do you know what I'm saying? This is not the wild, wild west. So you can jump on your horse and ride over there and say, you open your mouth again and I'm going to shoot you. you. You can't do that. But God says, that's not what I want you to do. There'll always be something to just chisel at. And when that chisels at, here's what we do. We have to remember God deals appropriately. So here's what he said. He broke the enemy's hold into pieces. It says the Lord punishes them. Those who oppress the Lord will be shattered. And 1 Samuel 7:10, while Samuel, I love this, Samuel now is grown and he's facing adversarial forces like the Philistines. When Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such panic that they were routed before the Israelites. God said, let me just use a little bit of thunder. The other thing, the enemy shall not prevail over a child of God. We pray every day, our kids and our grandkids. We pray every day for you, our church family. Those needs that I'm aware of, we call out those needs. We pray. We know this, that sometimes when you're the one in the middle of the fray, that it's hard to pray. That's why that God gives us one another and says, pray ye one for another. Your prayer may come just in the nick of time to help someone else we know we know okay how do we deal with that we had a precious family the mom died several years ago dad died recently being behind two young adult children they have zero insurance they have zero help but they've been in this church their whole life so we sat down and we look at that and thought wow isn't it amazing? As a young adult, you look at that and say, Mom, you're dead. Dad, 
you're dead. What am I going to do? How are we going to bury you? How are we going to take care of these kinds of expenses? And, you know, we sat down and we go through the process. It's hard sometimes for them to understand, God, why me? Why us? Why not someone else? But here's where it comes into play that those of us in the Lord encourage and strengthen them and say, listen, those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. First Samuel 7:10, as he was has sacrificing Samuel, said it threw them into panic. And the the work of God through the child of God will prevail in 1 Samuel 2, 9, but the wicked will be silenced. We read that a moment ago in darkness. Silenced in darkness. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and this is their vindication for me, declares the Lord. What he's saying, hey, their mouths will be shut. And so then Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't get on our box and parade like the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So the best offense is in prayer believing God that God is in control finally God is my foundation say that with me God is my foundation he is precious couple 85 years of age the other afternoon 98 north turn left some of you may know that couple turn left in front of a car that was going north on 98, it killed both those precious people, both of them. At 2.20, they were alive. At right after that, they were both dead. I came up upon that later, and I thought, Lord, how is that? What's that family going to do? Whose faith may be shattered as a result of that? Who will be shook up? The event down in Frostbrook. I'm thinking, my Lord, who is going to stand up and declare the glory of God out of that? Who's going to stand for this young woman with two children, I guess two in, in the house, and she was murdered? And we look, where are you at, God? We turn on the television. Where are you at? And see the sensationalism. And God says, I'm your foundation. I'm your rock. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with the princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundation of the earth are the Lord's and upon them he has set the world. Hannah walked through the darkness of despair. She faced, she faced the most trying thing that a woman could face of not being able to bear children. She had someone that lived in the same house in her face every day. 
You're under curse. I'm the favorite wife. I bear children. You don't. There's sin in your life. You won't ever make it. Just give time. And you won't even be allowed to stay here. You will never have children. And yet God reached down, picked her up, and lifted her beyond the despair. And then God judged her adversaries. Now, I'm not going around and saying, God, I don't want you to judge my, I want you to judge the adversaries. I had one event I've told you about that three or four ministers turned against me because of coming to victory. And they changed and their behavior changed and their desire to hang with me, it was gone. I watched it happen. But it took four years before finally the last one came and said, I was mad. I was wrong. Four years before all of them came. You say, how did, how did you not get bogged down? Well, let me suggest something to you. If you get bogged down in issues like that, you're not free to make forward progress to do the will of God. For that stuff will drag you in the pit. But when you say, God, they belong to you in Jesus' name. Her son Samuel was born. He became judge and priest. And it was her son. Oh, the day she heard her son who anointed David to be king. And it was David who was a part of the lineage of Jesus, the son of the living God. You talk about a happy mama. A happy mama. A happy mama who went to the temple accused of being drunk but sat there and said, I'm not having this. I'm going to trust God. For Samuel 1.18, she said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and she ate something and her face was no longer downcast. There'll always be something out there that'll try to trick you up. There'll always be something that you'll have to fight. Always something that's going to break down. Always someone's going to differ with you. Always something that's going to take your prize away. There'll be something that'll come your way that you feel like you don't deserve and it'll still happen. But the saints were called to stand in the gap so that unbelievers could see a life of victory and to see hearts that could stand under the pressure and be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And being a conqueror is something that we earn by the grace of God. Amen? Would you stand? Father, we thank you for your power. We thank you for your mercy in your abundance. I, uh, I know this, this message can be cataloged into the heart and life of every individual. And God, we, uh, we know that, well, we know like that precious couple, 85, I didn't know them. They probably got sons and daughters, probably got grandchildren somewhere. 
that are totally blown away by that news. How in the world did that happen? How? Why? At this stage, so many other things, so many unanswered questions. But here's what we know. We don't have to answer all the questions. We don't have to like everything that's going on. We don't have to agree with everything. But what we have to do, Father, is to trust you and to believe you and to pray and say, thy will be done, not my will. And as we do that, you will, you will mature us and grow us into the kind of individual that, boy, when the next thing comes along, it's not going to shake us. It's not going to irritate us, not going to get us angry. It's just going to cause us to stand. And we say he did it once and he could do it again. Some of you out there online right now, you may be struggling in situations beyond your ability to cope with. But let me encourage you, read the story in 1 Samuel, the second chapter. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to ask everyone here to repeat this prayer. And those of you online, if you can, repeat it out loud. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, touch my life. I repent of my sin. I repent of my unbelief. And I ask you now, create in me a right spirit, a right attitude, a loving desire to honor you in every area of my life. I pray this prayer will be answered by you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me encourage you. I'm excited about the message on Sunday morning and what God's going to do, the wrap-up, and then we start a new series. Friend, these are the days that we can't afford to get weary in well-doing. These are the days that we don't back up. These are the days that we do not let the devil control our behavior. These are the days that we take what God has given us as I told someone today with a host of problems, I said, isn't it wonderful that God has dumped in your lamp a host of opportunities that you get to deal with. And if you look at it that way, here's what will happen. You'll get busy finding an answer as God directs you for it. So pray for the service. Pray for, pray for, our, pray for our world that God will minister in a special way and Let's, let's thank God for it. So we're going to one more little worship song. And all of you online, God bless you. Let's put our hands together and give God a, a praise offering. Can we do that? The promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never. Your promise still stands, great is your faith. 